What do you want? Screaming queens. Listen, I am two seconds away from calling the police. Screaming queens horror podcast. What do you want? Screaming queens horror podcast to your death. Something is trying to get inside my body, and you want to sleep with me. Give me those shoes, they're mine. Give them back to me. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Hey, shouldn't you be folding towels somewhere, sniffing jock straps? It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. What have you done to its eyes? I see no manhood between your legs. You're going to need death now. <laughs> the living dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Get away from her, you bitch! It was an asylum! And it was hell! 20 years of pure hell! The devil wins sometimes. What's that like to live deliciously? They're here. They're all gonna laugh at you! To a new world of gods and monsters. Welcome to Screaming Queens, the horror podcast with the Queer Eye View. My name's Jonathan Larkin. I'm Stephen Moore. Uh, I'm Jonathan Butler. I'm Mark's Infinity. That point was so threatening. I thought I I'd get to speak. Yeah. I just like shoved my finger in Stephen's face. Um, he's, lucky that's, time. he's lucky that's the only place I shoved it. Um, <laughs> happy Halloween, everyone. This is our Halloween special episode. Um, happy Halloween, people. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Um, we've been a trick-or-treating, haven't we? And we've... Yeah. we've um, We've just come around after we realised our sweets have been rehypnolled. Um, so oh, we've, full sacks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, came back with full sacks, but we all fell asleep. So yes, we're awake. We, I don't think we've been interfered with. Um, just with, picking the razor blades out of our apples. <laughs> <laughs> the bloody tips of our fingers. Yes. Um, what was what did you get in your trick or treat sack, Stephen? It's a big load. I don't remember. <laughs> Um, so we've all come back and we watched a little post trick or treat film together. We thought we'd do something um, a little bit different and just be really obvious. Mm. Um, and we, we thought we'd cover a film that lots of people in the horror community have got big opinions on, for and against. Less against than more for now, I think. Times have changed, um, and attitudes towards tonight's film have changed with, with time as well, and rightly so, I think. So, yeah, we thought we'd go down the really obvious route. Uh, we've done Halloween already, the classic 1978 slasher film. The year is 1982. Halloween and its sequel, Halloween 2, have been big hits, and the slasher movie is well and truly off and rolling. Universal wants to carry on pumping out sequels, but John Carpenter and Deborah Hill aren't interested in directing or producing another outing for Michael Myers. Instead, they hit on the idea to turn the Halloween franchise into a series of standalone films, released once a year at Halloween, each film bears no relation to the one that went before it. On paper, a cracking idea, but in reality... A disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Due to shoddy promotion and some might say the lack of imagination in the popcorn munching masses, people are horrified when they flock to see another bloody knife-wielding massacre from Michael Myers, but instead get a strange horror sci-fi hybrid that owes more to Invasion of the Body Snatchers than to Psycho. Featuring maniacal toy makers, suited and booted robots and one very irritating ad jingle. (laughs) This is the night no one came home and no one went to the cinema once word of mouth had spread. So put on your mask, park yourself in front of the television and get ready for the big giveaway at nine. This is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch.
season of the witch, the night no one comes home. You don't really know much about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers will be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween, the children. You happen to know anything about this Cochrane? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. Season. He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Hey, Mr. Cochran, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. Hey! Where are they taking her? They're taking her to the factory. I want a mask. Can I have a mask? Uh, just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. Why, Cochran? Why? Do I need a reason? I've got nothing here to indicate there was ever a body at all. Operator, this is an emergency. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. You've got to believe me. They're going to kill us. All of us. Stop it! The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Stop it! Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, the night no one comes home. And I'd like to apologise in advance, but I will be playing that jingle as part of this episode. We did have a tally as we watched the film. Yeah, well, it got to 13, but right at the, the there was 13 separate incidents, but in the last, it's the very, very end scene where he's just flipping through different channels. Yeah. And so it's played on every channel. So if you count it separately, it's 13, which is a good number. <laughs> so I will be playing it 13 times. <laughs> you might want to just leave now. I'm only joking, I won't play it that many times. <laughs> so we watched it together. What what's everyone's sort of initial reactions, Martin? I haven't watched this for years and I've protested about watching this film for quite some time. I was gonna say, should we say should we explain that Martin that we were we've been wanting to do this for a while, haven't we? But Martin keeps <laughs> saying no. No. <laughs> um, so it's not as irritating as I Oh. Remembered it yeah, actually, good. and it was funny counting the tally of the jingle. It's not played that many times actually, mm. but it is it's sort of irritating. But it's yeah. not played that many times. Yeah, it's grown in my mind yeah. over the years mm. to be the whole film, and nothing else. Other than that, I don't think I was that overwhelmed by either way, either way. in either direction. Yeah, cool, Jonathan. Watching it again. I can see why people like it again, but but I, I still the ending still confuses me, <laughs> and I, I don't. I mean, I, I still like it and it's good. Ninety percent of the film is great, but the end just really confuses me. And I'm thinking, do you, oh, I don't know. It could have been a stronger ending, I think. Yeah, it feels like they didn't really know what to do. No, it's just like Tom Atkins works out what's going on, and yeah, and oh, just, 
that's a whole thing. We'll yeah. get into it later, I'm sure. Yeah, it's like um, Twin Peaks. When Twin Peaks, they, they made a pilot. Mm. They made a feature-length version of the pilot yeah, where they tacked on an yeah, ending. So it was a film with an ending. So you could buy that. I had it on video. You could buy it on video as a fit like 90 minute Twin Peaks film and the ending just sort of didn't make sense because it was so rushed and this feels like a similar thing like they're just like oh don't really know what to do just throw everything it's like something with magic badges and TV screens and, and then a and laser a laser <laughs> and then that, 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 yeah yeah that makes sense. That makes sort of sense now. The Stonehenge thing being plonked at the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, that's how they've ended, That's how they decided to end the film. I know what. Somebody steals a rock from Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah, because that's the, like the first scene of the film, isn't it? Yeah. It's the guys watching the, the telly and there's uh, the, yeah. new, the news report about Stonehenge being stolen. <laughs> I don't get it because it's like super Irish and the whole thing is that it's Irish but Stonehenge isn't in Ireland so no. what the fuck because it's America isn't it they're like everything's the same it's, it's just Ireland it's just a thing although I think Stonehenge we'll get into this in a minute but I think Stonehenge was possibly Nigel Neal's creation and he's not American mm. but anyway we'll get into that Stephen initial reaction yeah I kind of feel like very middle of the road like I know it is meant to be a bit of a divisive love or hate thing but I just feel the same it's like it's kind of it's good it's definitely not a bad film yeah I don't love it I just don't hate it either it's just kind of I think the gore is great yeah that's the best the violence is really good actually isn't it it's a great concept I think doing something different like mixing actual like witchcraft with this but I say it's a weird mix of like it's like okay it's about robots and it's about witchcraft that's about sci-fi, but it, I think it tries to do too much, yeah. and then that ended. They couldn't think of a satisfying way yeah. to end it. Yeah. But so, but it is a great film, but just that ending, it needed to be stronger. I think. Yeah. I think they have thrown. To, they did. They have like it's nineteen eighty two right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> they try. They've 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 shoved too many different things in all at once, like you said, <laughs> which. <laughs> <laughs> You can't say that in front of me. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Butler's first day to laugh at the evening. It's like you say, the, like the sci-fi and the witchcraft. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's meant to be like social commentary, I guess, mm. on like consumerism yeah. and yeah. disposable shit. Yeah. I would have liked more children dying. A yeah. bit more bleak of an ending. It's yeah. kind of ambiguously bleak but I think that moment where Cochrane sort of says it's a, it, he's having the last laugh and it's a great joke on all the children mm. that's the bit where you can really get behind the villain yeah <laughs> it's like yeah kill them all my response to it is always the same I've got a real soft spot for it because when I was a kid so I watched Halloween 3 before I watched any of the other Halloween films because it was just I was a kid I was pliable I wasn't I didn't have any kind of um, any kinds of expectations about what the Halloween series should be mm. I didn't know what it was it was just another amazing video cover in the video shop the so I wanted to see it I wanted to see it so, so you know finally I was allowed to watch it so I didn't have that baggage of this should be Michael Myers in mm. this film and you know all the stuff that people complained about at the time didn't touch me in the slightest so I just watched this film straight off when I was a kid so the jingle didn't annoy me because you don't really get annoyed by that stuff as a no. kid so from that I've carried that through the rest of my life really just really liking the film for what it is so I've always got a soft spot for it I'll always mm. sort of leap to its defence in a way but I can always sort of see the issues with it as well mm. 
for me, it feels like it's an episode of The X-Files or something. Yeah, it's like it fits into it. It would fit into a TV format really well if it was on for an hour. Yeah. And had a, res- a, you know, more of a resolution at the end. And I think that's prob- probably because of yeah. the way it was conceived. It's like a season finale of a, of a sci-fi show. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, yeah. It is, with that apocalyptic type ending yeah. where you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then you come back for season two and actually it was a false jeopardy because they managed to switch it off in yeah. time and all that. But So yeah, I've always had a soft spot for it. And I actually think of all the Halloween sequels... I think it's a better made film than a lot of the Halloween sequels. Yeah, if you compare it yeah. to what came after them, yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Halloween's not even the way I say so it's got a it's got some good films in it. Yeah, yeah, it has. To, especially that one with with the Buster Rhymes. That's a classic. <laughs> so of all the Halloween films, this is the this is the second least successful of all of them. In terms of the money it took, mm. Halloween Five was even more of a disaster than this one. Yeah, and that is a bad film. Mm. Um, but yeah, this didn't do well at all. I think wouldn't call film. this a bad film. I think it was just probably just bad marketing. Yeah, I think if they'd done it like we said, where um, they'd gone straight to kind of portmanteau style with the second film, it could have possibly worked as a series. Yeah, of changing it up, but you can't do two films and then switch. Yeah, it just doesn't work. It doesn't make sense, does it? It's it was a bit of a yeah, it's a bit of a daft idea, really. Mm. It's a good idea, but but not after Halloween two. But even without that, I think it's I think it is a bit too much of a mishmash. Mm. You reach that point where Stephen actually said out loud, and two seconds before, I'd been thinking to myself, "What is the motive for all of this?" Yeah. Mm. So you're paying it to be all paying attention to what the motive is. But I thought, God, you could have. I don't know whether more could have been made. Yeah. Of that. Yeah. Need a reason? Mr. Kupfer was right, you know. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. But there's a better reason. You don't really know much about Halloween. You thought no further than the strange custom of having your children wear masks and go out begging for candy. It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands, and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. The barriers would be down, you see, between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires of turf. Halloween. The festival of Samhain. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Sacrifices to the part of our world, our craft. Witchcraft? To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again. In the end, we don't decide these things, you know. The planets do. They're in alignment. And it's time again. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. 
I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. So the script and process was a mishmash. So the initial sort of kernel of an idea was John Carpenter, and John Carpenter had the idea of it being about being sort of witchcraft meets technology, sci-fi. And then um, it was actually Joe Dante who said to him, oh, you should go and talk to Nigel Neal. So Nigel Neal, uh, for our listeners, I mean, the majority of you will probably know who he is, but Nigel Neal um, is a very famous British sci-fi and horror writer who wrote the Quatermass films. Um, t- he wrote TV. So remember that box set you got me, Beasts? Mm. He wrote all down. Right. Um, he wrote uh, one of the best hours of horror television I've ever seen called Joran Barty's Party, which we should definitely watch, which is a middle-class couple in a farmhouse who were under siege by giant rats. But because it was the 70s TV, no budget, you can't see the rats, or you can hear the scratching, but it gets louder as it goes along, and by the end of it, you're just so stressed out. It's it's yeah. So it's ex- he's an excellent writer. He's like everybody lo- you know who loves mm. that kind of horror loves Nigel Neal. So you, John Carpenter went to him. So he wrote a draft about um, witchcraft and technology coming together because uh, the supernatural and technology were always his thing. So remember the stone tape? Remember we watched that together? Yeah. Which I found yeah. a bit dry. Mm. He did that. Quater Masses, Supernatural and Technology mm. Sci-Fi coming together as well. He actually wrote a, a really good adaptation of The Woman in Black for ITV in the late 80s as well. Which, which oh, is yeah, really fucking, someone was sharing that the other day, saying people need to go and watch this. <laughs> they do, they do. But um, I meant to buy it on DVD last year and didn't get around to it. Went back and it's now £146. That's oh, wow. So hopefully someone's going to pick it up and put it on Blu-ray soon. But anyway, so he wrote that sort of stuff. So he uh, wrote a draft which was very much his thing, which was all about uh, the witchcraft, the technology, and his idea was um, so all the stuff with the masks was his idea. Mm-hmm. The stuff with the bugs and everything was his idea, because that's all supposed to be about witchcraft. So it's so basically they harness. So the plot of the film, spoiler, is. Uh, Insane Irish toy maker steals. It's a good start. <laughs> steals part of Stonehenge <laughs> to harness its powers to murder children through Halloween masks. There you go. That's the plot. That was, and that was Nigel Neal's original plot. Um, I'd love to read the script. What I can imagine is that his script would have been too reliant on mood, conversation, and character, and Hollywood. Mm. horror films didn't really they didn't really want that so he wrote a script and then the producers were like no we need more killings yeah more tits and more gore tits (laughs) robots John Carpenter stepped in rewrote it so he put all the all the sort of Halloween-y bits in so the bit with the driller killer and all the horrible murders and stuff Mm. Nigel Neal read it and said this is crap take my name off it so then Tommy Lee Wallace was given the script and told to polish it so then he rewrote it mm. so now what you God. see so exactly so the film opens it says written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace and mm. it really isn't mm. it's written and directed by Nigel Neal John Carpenter and Tommy Lee Wallace so that's why it's a, such a mishmash mm. so that sort of explains I think they were probably given a script that came from Nigel Neal's insane brain <laughs> where Stonehenge's evil powers made some sort of sense mm. and he probably had an ending that made some sort of sense but they were like what the hell do we do with this so yeah 
then John Carpenter and his drug habit came along and um, yeah. <laughs> changed it again. Yeah. And they wrote themselves into a corner. I mm. think I think that's essentially what's probably happened. Mm. Tommy Lee Wallace sort of says that openly in interviews that that you know that that's why it's such a mess. Mm. But I'd love to read Nigel Neal's original script. So if anyone out there's got it, please send it to me so I can read it. So the plot of the film, as we just summed it up, so um, the stuff that was dropped in, I think, as the scripting process went on, was the subplot with the toy maker and his daughter and her looking for who killed her dad and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So that's where we opened. The film opens um, on a sort of rainy, thundery night in California where an old man's running for his life and he's being chased by these mental people in suits. Mm. Um, first jump scare of the night worked. A tree saw yeah, yeah. jumped out of your skin. Yeah. yeah my, <laughs> fourth, my fourth note is Martin jumped. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, quite high off my chair. Yes. <laughs> Yes, uh, he manages to escape, but before, but after he escapes, he sort of tries to get help at a local gas station, doesn't he? And he collapses. So the first of the invasion of the body snatchers references comes in here because him him saying asking for help by saying they're coming is the opening of invasion of the body mm-hmm. snatchers as well. No one believes him. He goes to hospital, and then um, at the hospital, he's horribly, horribly murdered by another man in a suit in really grim. Fashion, yeah, he's yeah. like snaps his nose and gouges his eyes open and yeah. like cracks his skull from the inside. Yeah. It's awful. That was great. That was really imaginative kill. Yeah, definitely. I didn't understand the bit where he escapes from the first guy. He escapes by like pulling it. Um, oh, it's uh, a very elaborate way to escape from someone. There's like a a wheel block. Yeah. Under a car with a chain. With a chain on it, it's just long enough for him to reach. Yeah. I could, but I could go for that. But it's just the fact that it just kind of like rolls very slowly towards the man, and the man like, the, like the robot man looks at it, and then just kind of gets like wedged in between. But it just kind of goes, yeah, yeah, just stops. Yeah, <laughs> like, I like to think maybe yeah. it hit like an off button or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would make more yeah. sense. Yeah. Knocked his battery out. Knocked yeah. his battery out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, it makes the film makes really good use of it. Of it. Eerie in the middle, uh, eerie quiet middle of the night hospital setting, much like Halloween Two did as well. Mm-hmm. I love that hospital setting. It reminds me of that film The Void. Oh yeah, it reminds me of the hospital in that. Um, well, that's a lot. That's a lot of John Carpenter as well, though, isn't it? Yeah, the Void, definitely. So he's horribly murdered, and the killer wipes the gunge from his eye, eye sockets on a curtain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said, is there not a sink? <laughs> Should be a sink in every clinical room. I know, but it's, you do see one of the the gore if it's wiped on a can. You do. It reminds it reminds me of um, it reminds me of Lily Savage <laughs> talking about one of her boyfriends wiping his cock on a on a can. This had sex. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just think the stains were the same colour. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, um, and um, so the hero of the hour, Dan, is introduced, doesn't he? Doctor Dan Chalice. Doctor Dan. Am I called Nick because his name's Nick in the fog? Doctor Nick. <laughs> Doctor Nick. Hey, Doctor Nick. <laughs> Not the last Simpsons reference of the night. Played by Tom Atkins, horror icon, eighties horror icon, um, and he is introduced, sort of pissing off his ex-wife, isn't he? He brings home some crap, crap cheap masks for his kids. But they've already got 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 silver shambrook. Yeah. Little bit of trivia: the little boy who's his son is this in real life the son of Jason Miller, who is Father Damien in The Exorcist. Ghost. 
Yeah, how's that for a connection? The ex-wife is played by Nancy Loomis, who is in Halloween and The Fog and various other John Carpenter films, and married to director Tommy Lee Wallace at the time of making this film. Um, so they got the surname Loomis from. Loomis is a common surname, isn't it? Isn't Donald Pleasance. Yeah, Loomis and mm-hmm. yeah, and, well, it, and Psycho as well. Well, Loomis is Sam Loomis is in Psycho as well. Yeah, yeah. So we're introduced to Dan there, but then he comes to work just in time to see the the um, the, the murders just happened. The guy is leaving the hospital. He chases him out to the hospital, and then the guy who killed the old man just gets in a car, covers himself in gasoline, yeah. and sets himself on fire and blows up. As you do. Which blows up very quickly. Very quickly. Do you think that's because he's combustible though? Because he's a robot. Yeah, maybe. It's very like old school type of robot though, isn't he? It's like the the old like marionette technology. It yeah. looks like those creepy like I've seen those creepy like seventeenth century, eighteenth century ones. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't realise that he's a robot at that point, do you? Definitely. They just think that they're just very sort of humorless. Yeah. Like man, secret agent. Yeah. Kind of. It was drugs probably. Drugs, probably. Drugs, <laughs> yeah. The old man's daughter, Ellie, turns up and she's the heroine of the film. Sort of pretty young thing, played by uh, Stacey Nelkin. And the minute she walks into the room, Dr. Dan's got his eye on her from across the other side of the room. Do we think Dr. Dan's a little bit like me too? Very Ten? much. He's sexually assaulted three people <laughs> in this film. Well, 37 years later, he would be. Yeah. Early 80s. It's occupational heart, so it was just, yeah. Yeah, well, not exactly. fair, you all seem to enjoy it. And what did you say about it as well? He was a bit of a hot dad. I liked him. You, like, you, uh, like, I, you thought he was a bit of a porno doctor? Yeah, porno doctor, like, you know, physical exam. Yeah. Bend yeah. over, <laughs> let me do a bit of physical. <laughs> I don't know how I got up there, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Must have fell over in the shower. <laughs> I was decorating naked. Yeah. And the bug brush just went well I'm landed on my back massage um, so when he's he's sort of he's letching at the nurses he's try, he's actually chatting up the the coroner's assistant coroner's assistant mm. that was she is. but he's just what the fuck it's the um, it's it's a bush that's growing unruly outside it's moving around and Martin is, uh, <laughs> and and it's the lights from the co- the reflection of the lights <laughs> from the corner it's like well, just like we've we got some spooky Halloween Sorry. happening. Just like it should should be on a Halloween special, <laughs> we think that people are possibly watching through the window. But it's, it's, your, it's actually your own reflection, which is even scarier. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he's chatting up Ellie. Um, and and there's a nurse as well, isn't it? Like the older nurse. The older nurse, yeah. It's like, oh, I should have managed you instead. Yeah. And touches her up a bit. Yeah, because he's saying he needs to go for a nap, and he asked if she wants to join him and stuff. Um, that seemed like. Playful banter to me. But you yeah, know what? He squeezes her ass. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you draw the line. The rest was okay. <laughs> but she's okay with that. She says she 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 gives him what for and says you should go be careful. I play for keep. Yeah, she does. Mm-hmm. She's laughing. Mm-hmm. She is. She's asking for it. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> These white clinical shoes <laughs> and the nurse's uniform. Exactly. If you don't want to get touched up, don't dress like a nurse <laughs> just because you're a nurse. <laughs> um, much has been made of Dan's Lothario ways. However, I did notice watching it this time, Ellie follows him to the bar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She goes and tracks him down. Within, Ellie's not afraid to put it, um, she's herself re- out there. She is really not. Within 10 minutes, 
He's binned off his wife, his ex-wife and kids. Bought himself a six-pack of beer. <laughs> I love that. Show. Yeah. He's on the phone to his ex-wife saying, oh no, something's come up. It's a big, big doctor emergency or, or something. Yeah, big doctor emergency <laughs> conference. I've got to go off to. No, I can't remember the name of the hotel. Yeah. And you can see that there's a six-pack of beer on top of the phone. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. And off he goes with the strange girl he's literally just met. He doesn't even know how old she is. No. He just bangs her first and then finds, oh yeah. yeah, no, it's okay, I'm old enough. And she still doesn't actually give him a proper answer. Yeah, I'm old when I love See, yeah. I think that's a clue. I'm older than a look. Uh, that's a clue. She's a robot then. Uh, uh, another rug pull from Jonathan <laughs> Butler. Very possibly, yeah. So they go off because she wants to find out what happened to her dad. The last thing he did was he went. He was buying toys from Silver Shamrock in Santa Maria, California. So he, the most the no, most sort of logical thing that they can do is go and investigate, even though they're complete strangers. Even though he's got commitments with his kids, the best thing he can do is run off with this young girl. Yeah, I think I would as well. <laughs> off they drive to Santa Mira, another Invasion of the Body Snatchers reference. Santa Mira is the name of the town in Invasion of the Body Snatchers as well. Um, they get to, they get to Santa Mira. It's the quintessential weird little American town where everyone's peering out the window to drive in. Um, according to the cast and crew, the actual town of Lillita, California, where they filmed it, was exactly the same. Mm. They said it was just as weird in real life. I like to call Lolita as well. Lolita, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, especially when he doesn't know the age of this girl. He's <laughs> <chat>. <laughs> <coughs> Did uh, Jeffrey Epstein put any money into this? <laughs> 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 um, they get there and they decide that um, the best thing to do. The next logical step is to pose as a married couple and check into a motel together. Rafferty, who runs the motel, talks like the evil leprechaun in The Simpsons. <laughs> um, they put in the same room with one only one bed. Yeah, you've got to keep up appearances, though, haven't you? Yeah. Pretend them to be Marley's. She says, where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? Which I responded with, yes, girl. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Because um, he, he's that got, he goes from oh I can sleep in the car or I can sleep on the floor and it's just getting closer and closer and she's yeah. just like get in there just <laughs> sleep in my minge. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! And you said daddy issues? Yeah, completely. Your dad's just dead, and now she's shagging another dad. Complete daddy issues. That's your daddy issues. Um, which he takes full advantage of. One of the strengths I think this film's got is the atmosphere. Mm. It creates a little, like a really nice moody atmosphere, and I feel like there's nothing more atmospheric than, than sh- just shots of a of a deserted town as it's going dark. Mm. I think that's really good, especially with the synthy yeah, carpet score. Score is brilliant. It's fabulous. Um, so there's actually curfew in this town. We don't really know why. Mm. There's no police in the town. Just a care few. So just, you know, just these so. robot guys driving around so fast. <laughs> yeah, weird. It's really weird. Um, and the rumor is that the the voice that announces care few is Jamie Lee Curtis, and I think we all agreed that it did really sound. It like yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, Nick goes out to buy beer after care few, and um, takes all of the darkest, creepiest routes home. <laughs> I thought that was a bit strange. Why? Why would the shops be open if there was a curfew? Because they'd never have any business. Where's you going to fly from? Where's the... School question. <laughs> Why would you open if nobody's going to be around right. because there's a curfew? Yeah. 
That could have been very easily covered with the shopkeeper saying, I was just about to close up. Although we do get a good team with a tramp. Which, another jump from Martin Fanatone? <laughs> <Tom? laughs> yeah. <laughs> the tramp with the perfect teeth. Yeah. See, he's an American tramp, isn't he? That's an American tramp's teeth. If he was in Britain, he'd be like, oh, he's got perfect teeth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, his veneers look slightly off. He must be a tramp. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He wants to... He pops out of the shadows and asks if he can bum a drink off Dan. Yeah. And Dan's like, oh, yes, vagrant who I've never met before. He just says he's got no disease. (laughs) (laughs) He clarified. (laughs) Would you trust him? He was very clean. He just had, like, one little bit of dirt on his face where the makeup guy's just gone... And you would just think his teeth are alright, he can suck my bottle. Would you? <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Because his teeth are alright, you'd probably think his oral hygiene is probably okay. I hope so you're going to take him well for sucking your bottle. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Exploiting the home. <laughs> yeah. He does get good information from him. He does. He says, like, strange things are going on at the Silver Sham- Shamrock factory mm. after dark. They never hired any local people. Nobody worked there. It's actually local. Mm. Oh, he did bring people in. This is very, um, more Charlie in track of fact, the more you think about it. Like, the robots, the Umpalumpas, because they all came from a foreign land. He's very vocal against Mr. Cochrane, and then once Dan's gone, he is then attacked by two of the robot men. Who get him on his knees between them and does look a little bit it, porny. It's very porny. A bit men at play. I thought with the suits and everyone. And there's a big spray. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, arterial spray into the air is fucking fantastic. Yeah, the, the, the horrible jelly head being ripped off is horrible as well yeah. with all the bits hanging down. Really grisly. The, the gore is brilliant in this film. At the motel, we've met Marge Gutman, who is not happy with her purchase from Silver Shamrock. And we've also met Buddy and Betty Kupfer and their little little Buddy. Little Buddy. Mm. Little fucker who rides around on his bike, flipping the birds at people. That actor is now a rabbi. Yeah. Okay. Gosh. There we go. Marge Gutman is played by, played by the fabulously named Garn Stevens. Who was married to Tom Atkins at the time? Gone. Sounds like some Star Wars. Gone, Stevens, yeah. She's sort of spunky and funny and nice, and I quite like her. I think I'd like to have seen more of her character. She's yeah. quite a cool character. Um, and she sits up in bed whilst um, next door Ellie and Dan are having more sex. This is the moment, isn't it, where he says, How old are you? And it's like, You have just shagged her already. Mm. Mm-hmm. While they're having sex, Marge is sitting next door in bed. Fiddling with so the, the little emblem things come off the silver shamrock mask. Hasn't yeah, it? she's complaining that the, the like the quality of the mask isn't good because yeah. uh, the little badges fell off. But she's like, oh, my kid threw it at the wall, so we shouldn't really complain. Yeah, because she's she's explaining about she's got her own shop, hasn't she? Yeah. In, in Union Square in San Fran. Come and visit me sometime. Um, so she's messing with the button, the badge that fell yeah. off. Yeah, my super nerdy moment here is realising that she's listening to the same piece of classical music that Stevie Wayne listens to in the car in the fog I know it's sad really um, and she's fiddling with the thing and then suddenly a big shaft of light comes out of it a little bit like a Star Wars lightsaber vroom, yeah. into her mouth and then the most horrible effect afterwards where her face has been like exploded, exploded. Yeah. it's just a mess it looks more like something from Blue Out, out well, yeah. than in, but then I suppose the bug claws 
out. Yeah. And then close up her face into her hair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. It's just awful. It's um, the bug in the hair that really bothers me. Yeah. Um. So very quickly she's ushered into a she's like shoved into an ambulance isn't she she's got like a sheet over the face but she's still alive she's dead oh you hope she's dead yeah you really hope to be alive no I just think I don't know who they were kidding but he barges through so self-righteous I'm a doctor doctor. I'm a doctor what are these 12 people in white coats then mate piss off yeah but then the next day he's pretending that he's isn't he pretending to be like a shopkeeper the next day? It's like, Mr. Smith. This guy could not remember 12 hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) So she's ushered into the back of this ambulance van thing and uh, instead of saying it's a hospital, they say we're going to take her to the factory. Mm. There's alarm bells ringing everywhere here, isn't Mm, there? You'd be like, this is fucking weird, we're going. But obviously they don't go home. They end up being roped into a tour of Silver Shamrock factory. All the bits that the, where the tour and round seeing the masks being made, they that's actually a mask, toy mask making factory mm. manufacturers. So the masks were made by Don Post, which is like a famous mask manufacturer in America at the time. The th- of the three masks, the witch and the skull were, were existing masks, but they made the pumpkin one, especially for the film, mm. and to save money, they just filmed them making those masks in the factory like they would have filmed, they would have made them anyway. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. I think the most unrealistic thing about this entire film is that they managed to sell just free masks. <clears throat> like, as a company, that's the only thing they made. Free mm. masks. They would be out of business. No, but he makes he makes all all kinds of things, doesn't he? Because you, you get that on the tour, doesn't he? used to. But he, so he's made his fortune selling, like, practical jokes and... Yeah, all like Indian that. dancing yeah. toys. Yeah. <laughs> also, he's like a witch... Also, yeah. So, yeah. he'll okay. get his riches from yeah, the dark arts, where he's somewhere. Turn some shit into gold. Yeah. And get his ass. Yeah. He'll use the leprechaun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, found the bottom of a rainbow, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. That's it. So, Ellie and Dan end up on the tour of the factory with the cupfers. This is the bit where I was a bit like, it's a bit like Willy Wonka, because the cupfers are like caricature, mm. family, overexcited, loud Americans, aren't they? She's always eating, I think, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Um, the boy is really obnoxious, trying all the masks on. I want a mask, Daddy, I want a mask. And you really think, I can't wait for him to die. Mm. Yeah. Let's hope he gets run over. Yeah, always. Let's mm. hope his skull is crushed and bugs and snakes come out of his mouth. Well, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Keep watching. Um, so, quite quickly, it all spirals because Ellie spotted Dad's car being hidden in Silver Shamrock. Um so they know that they're onto them. So Ellie is very quickly scrabbled out of the motel room. Mm. Dan isn't far behind. There's a there's a great chase scene through the through the town, isn't there? Where the men in suits are driving around after him, and he is kidnapped and dragged back to um, Silver Shamrock, tied to a chair. And Connell Cochran, who we haven't mentioned, is played by Dan O'Haley, who was in RoboCop. I think so. I recognise him. I've seen Robocop. And he was also Andrew Packard in Twin Peaks as well. Uh, he's good at playing the sort of archer villain type roles. Um, and he informs him there that he's stolen a bit of Stonehenge and is harnessing its power for evil, as you do. Yeah, casual. Um, and basically, he says it's better to show you rather than tell you what this 
power can do. Yeah, because to write to put to explain this in the script would take ages. So yeah. I just show you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we get the centerpiece of the film, don't we? Really, it's the bit that everyone's most disturbed by and make and sort of elevates the film. Really. Yeah, that's crazy. It's the Gutman's massacre. The most disturbing thing is the kid mm. and the mask and how that sort of the mask turns from plastic pumpkin to real rotten pumpkin mixed with head and books. Yeah. So does he turn into what the mask is or does the mask sort of crush his head or? I don't know because I don't know if you turn into the witch. Like, I think it just kind of melts and mm. changes material. Yeah, I think it just it kills you and then the insects come out of, come out of you. Yeah. yeah. It's like you're rotten, isn't it? So that's why the insects mm. are all over you, I suppose. The snake. The rattlesnake. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. It reminds me of um, the way they triggered it is through the flashing lights on the screen and you, like the music starts playing on the adverts and the lights flash and that's what causes the reaction to happen. And it reminds me of years later, there was the episode of Pokemon where <laughs> it caused everyone to have fits. <laughs> like half of Japan went into seizures watching the episode of Pokemon and it got banned everywhere, obviously. Um, which also got parodies in the Simpsons. Simpsons yeah, <laughs> saw that one. <laughs> Battle of Seizure Robots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. remember that. Yeah. Um, so, did, but, in, when that happened in Japan, was that all? Was that like in this film where everyone was watching at the same time and it happened yeah, to everyone at the same time? Everyone at the same time, and like <gasps> hundreds, hundreds of kids went to hospital. Just the cool, um, like marionette that he finds, isn't it? While he's searching the factory, the yeah. old woman. That's really fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. And this is after you missed his escape because his escape is actually quite good. It is quite good. But I thought it was quite, it's before he gets captured. No, no, he gets no. So he sees the Gutmans get killed. So they're this is all on camera, isn't it? So he gets to watch it all. Yeah, the yeah. Gutmans die. The kid dies first, and the mum sort of just collapses and has a heart attack. Mm. Or whatever. No, because he sneaks into the factory first, doesn't he? And it's when he's looking at the the knitting robots, the fella appears behind him. So it's first. It's before he's captured. Oh, is, that's is, right. is the knitting robots. Yeah. Um, Okay. And is that a rattlesnake that bites the dad? Yeah, yeah. it is definitely a rattlesnake. Because they had a real rattlesnake on set, so everyone was shitting themselves because they were all blue. Because they thought it's it's probably being milked first, so yeah. it probably wasn't poisonous. Yeah. Um, but that creepy marionette, so it's like an old woman, is she knitting? Yeah. yeah. Very creepy. I love the lighting in that scene as well. It's lit really well. Apparently, so they filmed um, all the mask stuff was in the Don Post. They also filmed in like a toy manufacturer's called like Burnham's or Berman's or something. And I think that was real. I think that was part of their collection. Imagine getting one of them for Halloween and sitting in the window. One year we put a mannequin in the window with a gas mask on. It was terrified mm-hmm. the, the kids in the space. It was brilliant. <laughs> it was brilliant. Please arrived. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they thought it was Ben. So after he sees what this is this can do what these masks can do can do. Cochrane gives like a chilling sort of monologue, doesn't he, about Sowen and about his old his country's old ways mm. and how spirits used to come in and warm themselves by the fire. Yeah. And he talks about living in his house of like turf and pitch and I'm like, how old is he? Well, maybe he's meant to be like, <laughs> well, like hundreds of years old. Yeah. <laughs> they make Ireland sound a lot more interesting than it actually is. Well they just well, no, well no, people would live in in like pitch houses in the, like the 30s later wow. my mum and dad had their house they had their honeymoon in Ireland mm. we've got fam- we've got families still over there in the west of Ireland and there's people living without electricity and running water wow that's crazy there's people living in there's people like living in houses built out of 
caves in the 80s. Wow. There's oh. parts of Ireland that were quite primitive. What? Yeah. <laughs> It was quite primitive. Did they do Bernard Hall Boxer and stuff? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is it far and away with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman? (laughs) No, (laughs) More convincing accents. (laughs) Should we play Enya over this story as you're telling it? That's amazing. But his his, um, delivery of this monologue, even though I I do totally agree that they could have gone further and tried to do more with it, that moment of the film is one of my favourite bits because he he delivers it so well. Um, and that description of, of Ireland and stuff, um, I actually do. I actually do think that was probably part of Nigel Neal's script. So I don't think it's just like, mm. I don't think it's that sort of um, silly patronising American gaze on Ireland and, and the UK and stuff. I think it actually it is. Mm. It is. Uh, it sounds like something that Nigel Neal would write to me. So I think I think it's more mm. obvious towards what Martin's saying about you know. It's I don't think it's been the vibrant economy that it's been in the last 25 yeah. years before that there was before that it was, there was not that much going on other than farming yeah mm. so basically Cochrane just wants to take Halloween back to its roots he's not I murder children well yeah he, he's not happy that it could become about consumerism and greed he wants to make a wholesome and start just sacrificing children again yeah the good old days yeah, back in my day, we didn't have sweets, we just killed kids. There's a little <laughs> mountains run red with the blood of slaughtered animals and yeah, children. Great. Yeah, great. Brilliant. He says it's the way, the, it's the way, of, basically saying it's the way of nature, correct, correcting things, isn't it? When, yeah. when something gets too much, it destroys what's there, yeah. so it can, nature can assert itself again. Don't go, it's like an extinction rebellion. Just kill loads of children and we'll... Solve mm. climate change, and it's also got that stupid classic plot device that's in everything that the planets have aligned. Oh yeah, yeah, always aligned. But that always works for witchcraft, doesn't it? Do yeah. like the planets aligning. Yeah, this reminds me of Hercules. Nigel Neal wrote the witches as well. You know the um, Hammer one with Joan Fontaine. Oh really? Yeah, he likes his witches. Um, one of, one of the I mean there's an amazing moment here isn't there so they do a really clean job of saying this is what is going to happen this is going to be awful and then they do a montage of every child in America wearing these masks and yeah. I think that's really effective Th- those clips of people of the kids out your uh, yeah them. and I like the fact that they all like kind of change it up a little bit so like, there's a pirate pumpkin yeah and like you know they all accessorise it I think the front cover of from of the box art is from this scene, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's like the yeah. kids in the silhouettes yeah. at the sunset. It's, it's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. The sunset for the last time. Mm-hmm. And we get, uh, was it Landers Department Store in the background? Yeah. I was like, I'm guessing that's a reference. Yeah, John Landers, yeah. So Dan's, Dan, how does Dan escape? He kicks the old-fashioned like CRT telly, gets a piece of glass that he's broke off it. After moving his chair there, uh, gets a piece of glass off it, cuts his restraints free, and then runs off down the hall. No, he does something else first. What's the rest? Oh, he gets in through the... Oh, oh sorry, yeah. Well, the amazing. hand is still, still bound, bound, he manages to fling his Halloween mask over a camera. The other end of the room in the corner. It's a, it's a great throw. It's totally great. realistic. He is a doctor. Sorry, yeah. yeah, he's good. His hands are probably pretty good. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, and then he escapes through the vent, doesn't he? He does, he does, and then he finds Ellie, who is strangely quiet for the last half of the f- last like ten minutes of the film. I kind of thought that she died, and I just missed it. Like I looked away because I was like, "What the fuck is she?" Yeah. No, I didn't quite understand why why she was completely still, yeah, not moving, strapped to a trolley. Yeah. And the next thing, she was very animated. Yeah. So it was like, 
Hmm. Yeah. So I think I think she's almost all the way through it. So yeah. I don't think that's actually that's not that's not that guy's daughter. She's just been sent there to see if anyone around knows what's going on. Ah right. So she's just been sent to where that fella's died. She sees that she sees that Dan is suspicious. Yeah. But I just feel like Although it does wasn't that suspicious up until the point that they fucking told him the rest of the story. Mm. Like yeah, why not I mean, just kill him like well, you do with everyone else well that's it because even if she's a robot for like the second half of the film after he rescues her when he's like destroying everything why doesn't she just stop him then yeah. why does she wait for him to yeah, start terrible. the plan and then I'll just kill him now that he's destroyed everything yeah, it's like yeah. what that makes no sense yeah yeah because reasons John. because, because reasons, reasons. <laughs> the other guy's already been turned into dust it doesn't you know yeah because you don't wouldn't get the comical moment when they're sneaking around the computers oh, and the science bit hidden behind the shelving trolley <laughs> full of <laughs> Scooby-Doo <laughs> style Scooby-Doo yeah. style walking Brilliant. across the room yeah no that's true that's yeah. genius so this is the bit where it's like they really didn't know what to do next, did they? No. So basically, um, Dan realizes that it, that it's the badges attached to the yeah. He knows the badges react with the flashing image on the screen to create the magic. <laughs> um, so he gets all the badges and drop drops them down into the middle of the computer banks. Whilst the flashing images are on the screen. But after he goes over to the control oh, yeah. system, knows perfectly how to turn it on because he's seen it happen, hasn't he? He, he, yeah. saw the he knows the code is. He knows the password is. What is it, Jonathan? It's six six six. Oh, so we yeah. did see him. We yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, well, that makes a bit more sense. Yeah, then. but then he manages to turn it on by from that one viewing that he had of it. But all the people who work there don't know how to turn it off. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? It's like, oh no! How do we turn it off? Yeah, yeah. We have a password to get in, which is incredibly simple to break. Yeah. But nobody can have their incredibly complex password to switch. It. <laughs> <laughs> and then Stonehenge lights up. Yeah. And turns Colin Cochran into like an ice sculpture snowman. Yeah. I like that he gets to like kind of look off at him and kind of almost a begrudging respect for like yeah. when he gives him a bit of a clap doesn't yeah he? he does there's actually a brilliant moment isn't there where we, where we laughed where um, he, when he, he says you'll never guess how we got Stonehenge over here <laughs> <laughs> and then just tell you <laughs> that's a great piece of writing <laughs> yeah. it's like this is too ridiculous to actually say we'll just tease yeah. him yeah it's great there's a great shot from above where you see all the like the control panels are all in a circle, aren't they? Oh, yeah. All the dead bodies are in the middle of it. Yeah. And the shots from above, I love that. Oh, do you think that's yeah. meant to be like Stonehenge with computers? So mm, it's like the magic kind of computer. Yeah, that was that was really magic. Good. That was the magic then days and this yeah. is the magic, magic now. now. Yeah. yeah, I think oh. that's totally all So they get away. They're off driving down the down the country lane and um suddenly Ellie has a bit of a freak out. And we realise she's a robot. Bad robot. Mm. She gets her arm ripped off in a car crash. She gets her head ripped off. With a tyre iron, yeah. With a tyre iron. Mm. But she just still keeps coming. The hand, the hand by itself the hand, attacks him. The hand by itself attacks him. Did you like the orange blood? Yeah. That was apparently frozen orange juice mm. that they used for that. Gloopy. Gloopy. It was horrible. That was worse at the earlier scene when he was fisting that robot fisting that robot I missed yeah. that bit 
because yeah, he punch, he's fighting with one of them, isn't he? And he like punches it in the face, and nothing happens. So yeah. he just like punches it in the stomach, and he just oh, it goes right through, of course. Because yeah. yeah. the fella's trying to have an evil monologue, and he's got a big gloopy fist, and he's like, <laughs> "Can I just wipe this shit off my first mate's while I'm giving an evil monologue?" There's an entire subplot as well with the um, oh, the coroner, the coroner woman who's doing the autopsy on Ash, who I realise is called Teddy. Her name's Teddy. Hmm. It's um, but she's like the entire group food. She goes, oh, they keep messing up the bags because they keep sending me um, car parts. Car parts, and I just I was so confused why she was trying to do an autopsy on like fucking ash, but then I realised it was all just a hint that mm. that yeah robots. So I think she was trying to do an autopsy, but they kept sending her things that she can't do an autopsy on. I think yeah. that's probably. But it's like there's a scene where it looks like she has some sort of breakthrough and works out what it is, but there's no. <laughs> you don't know what it is. She just looks at something and goes, "It's a bicycle belt." Yeah, <laughs> it's not a car part. This isn't a car part. Yeah, but then she gets. But she picks up the phone as if she's going to phone someone. Like mm. I've cracked it, but then yeah, yeah. But then one of the men turns up with a drill. It gets oh, a drill out, right. and it's it's like Michael Myers scene, isn't it? So, I think these. I think they threw some extra killings in just to jazz it up a little bit. So I think that was one of the last minute ones, and it's literally a Michael Myers scene. He comes in as she's trying to get help on the phone and drills her through the head. It's good, like, it's a good kill. It's a good scary moment. Yeah, it's got a bit of leather gloves as well. Yeah. Um, so then the ending is um, Dan reaches the same gas station that the old man reached at the beginning of the film and it's another mirror of Invasion of the Body Snatchers because that starts and ends the same way as well where mm. someone is trying to warn the world that it's about to fucking end, that mm. these things are coming to destroy you but no one will believe them. And then it ends in a really. No, they do believe him <laughs> because he, he starts. Yeah, he phones someone. He phones someone. Who does he phone? I don't know. I'll phone. Can I get me all the TV stations, please? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, operator. Yeah. All, all the TV stations. All three of them. Yeah. 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 Also, it's at nine o'clock, but we don't know. Well, he's in California. Yeah. So he's saying nine o'clock. So that's going to be Pacific time. So that's like midnight. Kids aren't gonna be awake at midnight yeah. on the East Coast, are they watching no. them? And then straight after the screening of Halloween one. Yeah. This is not realistic. Oh yeah, Halloween is on TV throughout the film. At like yeah. seven o'clock in the afternoon. Why are those kids hanging around in a petrol station at midnight? <laughs> <laughs> what? To get petrol? To get petrol and to be served sweets from a hook. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Let's go down to the petrol station at midnight. That guy gives us sweets. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like where that's going. Oh, dear. Um, and that's the end. He's screaming, stop it, stop it, stop it. Um, but the, the advert just keeps running. Yeah. And the kids keep watching. And we're led to believe that the child apocalypse is on us, upon us. And then it's finished. Praise the Irish. Praise the Irish. Well, say it's a bomb, then. Say say whatever you want. Say whatever you like. Just get it off the air. Please, you just... I, no, no, I can't prove it. You've got to believe me. Believe me. Take it off the air now, please. You've got to. It means... Please excuse the interruption. We're having technical problems. Please stand by. It's time. It's time. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by.
astronaut masks. Gather round your TV set, put on your masks, and watch. All witches, all skeletons, all jack-o'-lanterns. The third Gather commercial, round, it's still on, please. Watch Take off the third channel, the third channel, it's still running. Stop it, please, for God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to, please, stop it, stop it now. Turn it off, turn it off. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop it! Stop it! One of my favourite reviews that was from the time, I think it was the New York Times, says Halloween 3 manages the not easy feat of being anti-children, anti-capitalism, anti-television and anti-Irish all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, the film is probably as good as any cheerful ghoul could ask for. It didn't get a good reaction when it came out. Um... Is that critics or fans or both? Both, both, yeah. both. and it, it was a flop in every way because people just wanted Michael Myers. Nobody yeah. had been warned no. of this fabulous idea to make it an anthology series, so people just were disappointed. That yeah, was the overwhelming thing as well, didn't they? Didn't market. Yeah. Yeah. So did did they actually use Mike, Michael Myers in the trailers for three? Did they or? Well, no. So the trailers started coming out, and people were like, "What's this? What the fuck?" So that's why no one went. Oh, People were I like, see, yeah. oh, oh, I'm not going not gonna to bother with that. So it was a big, it was a misfire, which yeah. is a term used in the film as well. It was a big misfire, and that meant that the Halloween sort of franchise was killed for about six years, I think, until mm. they were like, right, we'll bring back Michael Myers. And Halloween 4 was a big success. Return Michael Myers. Yeah. And that is, uh, that, as sequels go, I like that film, it's a good film. And then obviously we know that the rest, um, we, we haven't covered the rest of the Halloween franchise yet. We are going to do, we need to have a Michael Myers night with tequila. Yeah. And do two, four, five, six, and H2O. H2O. Yeah. We'll do five. Don't with Buster Rhymes. No. no. H2O is... LL Cool J. Yeah. <laughs> LL cool, cool J is security guard. H2O. Oh, okay. They went through that phase of, if we put rappers in these films, black people will come and see these films. Yeah, so. uh, H two is the one with really like it's the twenty year anniversary. So Jamie Lee Curtis is oh, back. Is that with, um, it's good. Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good. Bingo from Psychos in it. Her mum is Janet Leigh. Mm-hmm. Michelle Williams. Yeah, it's not bad. It's a good film. Mm. It's very. I enjoy it. Very post scream. Yeah. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has a little cameo in it. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, because I spotted this on Twitter the other day. It's, it's, people are starting to like that one again now. Yeah. People are saying, um, they were, it was like, oh, H2O is better than a new Halloween anyway. Why, mm. why, you know, we need to start bringing it back. It's right? essentially very similar. It's very similar. I liked H2O at the time, and I still do. Yeah. I think it's mm. good. Um, so, yeah, big sort of flop, but then over the years, through VHS, then through DVD, and now through Blu-ray, where we start to reassess those sorts of films and give them big fancy upgrades, people are now saying um, Halloween 3 was misunderstood. And I've always thought that anyway, because like I said at the beginning, I never had that preconception anyway. I always, I always just liked it. Yeah. Um, it's wasn't not a perfect the, film. Wasn't the bit of, not controversy, but it was like unavailable, like fully uncut for a long time wasn't it yeah well these gore scenes that we watched tonight yeah i only saw them for the first time two years ago yeah that's it i don't remember a lot of those mm. from when i watched it yeah because i remember there was was it like a yeah. there was a bit of a big deal wasn't it a few years ago when it was like a, a german release of it that was like mm. totally uncut for the first time that's the one i've got there. Is that the one there yeah and then we got we watched the american one tonight but i've got the german one as well because yeah. see like, i don't think it would be as it would be it would definitely be a shit film without those well yeah it would be because there was little spikes of horrible horror. stuff 
make it do make it pay more attention yeah well, and they entertain you the rest of the, the bits in between just on their own wouldn't be entertaining mm. yeah so I think that's probably why I despised this film yeah because I haven't seen it with the, the actual bits that make you enjoy it right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the bit with the kids Diane was always in it yeah but the actual gore effects one bits weren't I do feel like like with most things in life Buffy does a much better job of telling this story Buffy yeah does the episode in Buffy where Ted no 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 not that not the robot one Um, Um, (laughs) there's an episode of Buffy where there's Giles old friend opens a shop that sells Halloween costumes and then everyone becomes the the costume that that's really that they're wearing and that's such a good fucking episode and it always reminds me of this and I think that's just well better yeah yeah and what's the episode with the gentleman? Yeah, hush, hush, hush is great. Yeah, strange, silent, suited. Yeah, mm-hmm. beings done much better by yeah. Buffy. Robots as well. The robot boyfriend. But then sometimes it's better. Like I was saying before, it's better to sort of tell a story like this in a televisual way. Mm, and yeah. Nigel Neal was a television writer. Yeah. I mean, he wrote films, great mm. films, but his best work was TV with no budget and just people talking and character development and I feel like he probably wasn't suited to that to, mm-hmm. to do a film to write Halloween 3 do you know mm-hmm. what I mean and I think that's a disservice to him not not us I think I think he would have been he would have been better suited to write in a standalone story like this for, for TV for like a series like a beast yeah. you, can ma- yeah. you can imagine ITV or BBC producers think getting him mm-hmm. and Hollywood producers thinking what's this rubbish exactly you don't hate it anymore but you still don't love it yeah essentially yeah John yeah no I like it I think there's a lot there's a lot to like about it I'll say the, the strange mix of obviously you've got sci-fi and old style magic and witchcraft and a bit of everything so I do really like it I just think it does get a bit messy at the end and it's yeah. a bit of a bit of a deus ex at the end isn't it just throw the badges something yeah. happens film's over yeah but ugh. I've seen a lot worse. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I think it's it's good. It is really good. It's just not as amazing as I think. I think people exaggerate how much they've reevaluated it just to be like cool. Yeah, this is film. That, that, well, that that happens, doesn't it? I mean, I think it becomes the cool thing to do to say this film that you think is shit. Yeah, it's is amazing. <laughs> hot take. It's hot take culture, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I will say that I think. If it wasn't a Halloween sequel, I think this would have just disappeared. Yeah. I don't think if this was just around that time, under a different name, I don't think anyone would ever be talking about it. That same year, um, Podcast, Creepshow, and Friday the 13th Part 3 came out and all made a lot more money than it. Speaking of Twitter, I asked people on Twitter what their thoughts on this <laughs> film are. Andy Roberts, who is a friend of our podcast and a guest of our podcast, keep... Stay tuned to find out why. Mm. That will that's news in the Spoilers. Yeah, that's still to come. Spoiler alert. Um Andy says, I remember being so confused as a kid, waiting for Michael Myers to turn up, so I initially hated it. But watching Get Grown Up was really something. It's a proper eerie Halloween tale with enough seasonal mystique and a dash of eighties sci-fi technophobic to be really enjoyable. The plot is bonkers but exceedingly fun. Some of the special effects are the right side of nasty and the performances are pretty good. It does have the stone thing magic from Troll 2. 
Mm-hmm. But oh well, mm-hmm. Conan, Conan Cochran steals the show. Just pretend it's not the third Halloween. Horror Movie Podcast says, because I said, is it a trick or a treat? Horror Movie Podcast says, treat. It's obviously going to be disappointing within the context of a Michael Myers driven franchise, franchise, but there's no reason to hold it to that standard that the movie is a blast on its own terms. Is Michael Myers in it? Do you see him on the screen or do you just see Jamie Lee Curtis on? You know, when there's clips, isn't there, from Halloween in it? He's, yeah, do you see him on the he screen? Do, he's, on the first, yeah. he's on the first. Uh, by the way, apparently. Those clips from Halloween came in the John Carpenter rewrite. Mm. How's, that, <laughs> how's that for an ego? Um, but I suppose they needed some way to justify it being called Halloween, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's a bit too heavy handed, though. I'd rather just someone else in the, like, in the toy shop just have the mask on sale. Mm-hmm. But I suppose it, it's, it's like with now, though, isn't it? Where, you know, Halloween is a known property, so people will go and see Halloween just because it's Halloween. So yeah. that's probably why they did it. They probably thought if there's not enough. Of Halloween in this film, people are gonna be what's this? Yeah. So I think they probably well, they were wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, they were wrong. But the, I think the studios probably said put those bits in. Yeah. Movie Graveyard says the best horror movie ever made. Um, Slash of Trash says genuinely one of my favorite films of all time across any genre. Barva Lamp says I've loved it since I was a wee lad, and nothing has changed over the years. House of Wax is better. <gasps> but the Vincent Price one. No, oh, the Vincent Price House of Wax. No, 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 he's no, talking about the Fuck you, fuck you yeah. too. <laughs> fuck you both. It's better. I mean, yeah. Oh, they were going to fall out, guys. Annie Wallace says, I should have never been called Halloween 3. Really annoyed me when I saw it back then. Good film, nasty idea to attach it to a totally different story. You had to be there in 1982 to get this. Um, I didn't exist, so I couldn't have watched it then. Well, I did, but I was far too young. I was only one. Yeah. Ghost of the Stratosphere says it should have had a different name. I will always hold not having Michael in it against it. Uh, Patches, aka Great Muffin King, says it was great when it came out and it's a classic. Now, don't care what anyone says, I'll defend it forever. And don't forget to stay away for the big stay awake for the big giveaway at nine. The Carpenter Rant says best Halloween sequel. I love this movie. Also, the score is incredible. The score is amazing. Yeah. So amazing that I we used it on our podcast for the whole year yeah. or so, didn't we? Yeah, that intro is great. It's just the music, mm. but the, and the like the pumpkin. The, it's Which the, makes sense because the original one opens with the pumpkin, doesn't it? Mm. Halloween one. It's like the, the uh, just the, the candle and the pumpkin, isn't it? Mm. Just zooming yeah. in. So this one, it's like digital pumpkin. Yeah. yeah. Sci-fi eighties high tech pumpkin. Oh yeah, very high tech, very yeah. I was so confused when that music came on because I was like, why does that sound really? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Patrick C. Green says I've grown very fond of it Ken Crab Jr. says I felt tricked when it came out waiting for Michael to show up watching it over the years I've grown to like it on its own just don't count it as a Halloween as Halloween franchise Jesus says um, I watched H3 for the first time in the late 80s hated it watched it again in my early 20s hated it watched it for the third, third time last Halloween weeks before my 40th birthday and I still hated it <laughs> 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 yet I'm still intrigued by it and I want to watch it again. Um, the Rewind Movie Podcast just tries to spam their podcast about Halloween 3. Fuck off. Mm. Um, Byron Watched says, First time I watched it, I wasn't a big fan because killer robots in suits and masks that make bugs explode from faces was such a strange turn after Michael Myers. But I now, fi- now find every aspect of, aspect of it amazing. It is an odd concept when you think about it like that. You know what I mean? Kids' heads explode into insects with magic masks and Stonehenge mm. and technology. I think just Stonehenge is the bit that yeah. first. 
What's your I'd imagine when I can tame. <laughs> when you think about it like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, just stand on its own. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Wait, wait, bonkers. When you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Harrison loved it then, love it now. And finally, Robo Pulp says, very cleverly plotted and creepy. The men in suits that come out at night, the odd combo of Sam Hain and Cyberpunk, the, revel- the reveal of the plan, it all comes together to make a very effective horror film. I'm curious what you'll say on the podcast. Well, now you know. Hope you enjoyed it. You can get me at Johnny Larkin. You can get Stephen Moore. HD99. Jonathan Butler. Uh, Cthulhu502. Where on earth are we going to get Martin? Um, oh, you can get me in the motel, picking the back of a silver shamrock badge. <laughs> Is that like a dirty euphemism? What are you actually picking? <laughs> In the back of what? So shamrock bad. Oh, dirty bastard. Um, happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy Halloween! Thank you.